Yes, I printed out new character sheets, and there are some changes. Notice that how many marks it's going to take you to get to a certain skill has changed. Yeah. We are going back to the rules the way they were in the beginning before I forgot all about them. <laughs> um, I'm not taking away anything. It's just to get to the next skill level, you're going to need that many marks. Okay? So, Vladek... You've got a plus three on pilot, so yeah, you got, uh, what does that say, four out of 40? Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be a long time till you hit four. But again, um, in the first session, that's how I said it was going to work, and then I forgot. So, and I have, in my mind, fixed something. It bothers me that all you got to do is twist a couple of knobs and you get a mark, but if you study or train for a whole week, you only get a mark. So here's what we're going to do. At the end of each jump week, whichever skill you've been training, you will roll a d6. Ooh. So it might only be one mark, and hey, it was a week that you didn't get to study as much as you thought you were gone. Or it might be six marks that you got for that week, which will really advance you forward. Ooh. So does that soften the blow a bit as far as the big gaps? kind of previously on. You know how before we did a plot recap video? I did a character recap video. Um, we need to uh, go into this session really knowing about Poxo and Brill. Okay? So. He has shaggy, bright green hair. And a bandana with a swirling, colorful pattern on it. The bandana is tied in the back with loose ends hanging down a foot and more. He's wearing an unbuttoned brown vest over a baggy white shirt. His pale blue pants flare out at the bottom, covering his sandaled feet that only become visible when he jumps. The trail leads to a wide trail, and parked along the side of it is a small bus. It's painted in garish colors with strange symbols. Colorful smudges depicting smiling faces, flowers, and butterflies obscure every window except for the front windshield. The inside of the bus is an assault on the senses. The smells are spicy, earthy, herbal, and thick. The floor is strewn with colorful pillows. The walls are scrawled with hand-drawn notes and diagrams and maps. But also, there are several large devices of purpose unknown to you. Some are the size of a shoebox. Some are standing consoles with multiple screens and many dials, knobs, and buttons. Also, there are a few cases and satchels of various sizes. Um, once the door is closed, he turns around and just grins widely at all of you. He looks like this is the greatest day of his life. So, the living room is large. Or maybe it just feels that way because there's no furniture in it. There's pillows and beanbags all over the floor. The walls are covered in tapestries and posters, <laughs> paintings, drawings. And then over there in the dining area, it's like a totally different house. There's a large desk with uh, four screens sitting on it, a keyboard, boxes with blinking lights and stuff, a huge mess of papers. And there's a bookshelf next to the desk with a hundred or so books and odd items in the empty places. 
These walls aren't covered, but there is a lot of stuff. There's a variety of charts, maps, one big topographic map with pins in it. And sitting at the desk, there's a man with a shaved head with his back to you. So once you all get in, Poxo looks toward the desk and says, Vril! The man in the chair turns around. He looks to be about the same age as Poxo, early 30s. He scans all of you. And then he looks at Poxo. This man is dressed conservatively. He's got a white button shirt with short sleeves, black necktie, black slacks, black shoes. He's just glaring at Poxo. Poxo says something very excited. Vril says something impatient. Poxo says something persuading. Vril says something fed up. You can't understand their words, but it's clear that this is a scene between the two of them that has played out many times. Vril stands up and just marches out the front door, which he slams shut. And then you hear the bus start up and leave. Poxo doesn't look the slightest bit embarrassed over this scene. He sits down, <clears throat> cross-legged, wraps the blanket around himself, and leans back against the wall, thinking with a big smile like a man whose all of his dreams have just come true. <laughs> The front door opened, and the rising sun is blazing in. It startles all of you awake. The bald man stands there, just looking at the sight of bodies all over the floor. Poxa says, Then Ted and Vril... Poxa, or Vril, looks around and says, Perntudge, with disgust. Okay, well, the lip of the ramp doesn't even touch the ground before he, like, jumps up onto it <laughs> oh and runs goodness. in. He's saying all kinds of excited stuff you can't understand. He's gazing at everything in awe and wonder, moving from object to object, from sight to sight, practically running, and that's just the cargo bay. Uh, when you guys get to the bridge, he takes a seat at the bridge and strikes a pose and says, Des me aspectus, Cabo. And just smiles widely. Uh, he then spins around in the chair. And, I don't know, it's, it's a little embarrassing. He seems to be pretending that he's flying the ship. Oh, dear. Um, he's even, but he's at contact. He doesn't seem to know him better. The dude is making sound effects and everything. He's going, beep, boop, beep, beep. From the box of Rapunta Pertivac. Beep, boop. And he just giggles and giggles. This is obviously a very big life event for him. So you guys would be discussing what you wanted to do next. Yeah. Vril becomes curious as he's hearing you guys talk. He eventually turns around in his chair and he's eating his dinner and watching all of you. A little skeptical, but he's listening. And as you guys are talking about this stuff... He opens a drawer and fishes out a small box. He looks very skeptical, but he says, Mi estas vril. Then he holds it out to you and pushes the button. Okay, my name is Bardak. He taps the screen and hands it to you, and it's a picture of a circle. 
Okay, so obviously that was not meant to recap events as much as it is to recap um, the personalities of these characters and their interaction, how they interact and that sort of thing. So, um, what are some of the uh, adjectives that uh, you might use? Well, which ones did I use for Vril? Conservative. Yeah. Impatient. Oh, yeah. Um, I used the word skeptical twice. Okay. And uh, what did he call all of you? Losers. Uh-huh. Yeah, perntage. Um, so how do we, uh, how would we describe uh, Boxo's personality? Happy. He's, he's like... Not, not skeptical. <laughs> the opposite of skeptical. My, my, my. He's very goofy. Yeah. And a clown. He thinks that contact can make the spaceship fly. But it's also friendly and kind and hospitable. Yeah. Okay. That's good. <clears throat> um, so, uh, also, I, I noticed as I reviewed the uh, video um, that we didn't get um, what everybody was wearing. We just heard from the two of them. But uh, let's go ahead and go around the table and briefly describe our outfits for the record. Whoever likes can go first. Tie-dye shirt, paisley pants, sandals, brown jacket, red bandana. Red bandana, okay. Next. Tie-dyed shirt with swirling colors, pinstripe pants, black jacket, sandals, black sunglasses, rainbow bandana. Rainbow bracelets, rainbow bead necklace. Wow, his outfit alone weighs 20 pounds. <laughs> Oversized white blouse, purple skirt, sandals, hair down, and a rope bound around her head, and sunglasses. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Bosk. Dashiki in orange and blues. Blue jeans with colorful patches and embroidery. Sandals. Brown jacket, sunglasses, and blue and orange bandana. Okay, all right, we got that for the record. Now let's uh, talk about what happened last time. Where are we at? What's going on? What's what happened? What's happening? What's gonna happen? So when you were done with it, and he hooks it up to his computer, and he said something in his language. What he said was, "This is going to have to run all night. We might as well go to sleep." So. Yeah, that, um, that would have been, um, it ended with you guys going to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. um, you all do sleep, but you don't dream, same as every other night you can remember. None of you dream, ever. But Poxo dreams. In his dream, he is old, wrinkled and frail, long beard, and he's reaching out to a great and beautiful ball of light just out of his reach. He strains and stretches, but can't quite touch it. Nevertheless, he tells Vril that this time he will reach it. Curiously, in this dream, Vril is as young as you've seen him today. And Poxo does not see that Vril is holding a weapon of unimaginable destruction. The weapon is somehow drawing power from the ball of beautiful light that Poxo is eagerly reaching toward. 
and Vril has a wide grin of glee on his youthful face. Paxo suddenly wakes up. He blinks and strains to remember a dream he just had. But the more he reaches for it, the more it slips away until it's gone completely. So he shrugs, he yawns, he stretches, and he sees everyone is already awake, woke up before him, and they're gathered around Vril at his desk. Are we ready for story time? Yes. It is now assignment day 31, August 15th in the game. Vril has the box in his hand. He holds the button down on the box and says something, then he lets the button go. Then he holds it out so you can see him tap the button. And you hear a voice from the box say, the translator can't identify what language you're speaking, but can you understand me? Yes. Okay, so do we all get that? You hold the button down and say whatever you're going to say, then you let go. Um, we'll go ahead and say the screen then flashes a message. It's probably like working, translating, something like that. When it stops flashing, a different message comes up. It probably, you know, says translation ready or whatever. The longer you speak, the longer the flashing lasts, okay? Then you let go. Uh, that's right, you let go and all the flashing happens and all that. When you tap the button again, it reads out the translation. Now, we are not going to strictly role-play that. We're not going to hand the box around the table and, oh, no, which button do I push? We're not going to talk into a box and all that. The reason I'm explaining it is because we need to keep that in mind for all interactions, okay? It's not going to be just normal conversation. Everybody talk at once. Everybody understands each other. And you can't even really interrupt somebody who's speaking. Um, we're going to need to keep in mind who has the box, you know, and that sort of thing. But no, we are not going to pass this box around and, and talk into it. This ain't, let's pretend this is a role-playing game. So, um, so, he said that the box can't identify the language that you are speaking. Um, but, um, and then he asks, can you understand me? You said yes. He looks pleased. Anybody want to do anything now? I would like to tell him, I'd like to say, our ship is broken. Can you help us find the supplies to fix it? Okay. So you'd say that, you'd tap the button, it'd speak in their language, and they, let's see. Poxo, I think, would be very eager. Um, he would snatch it from your hand, and he holds down the button, and he commences to talking. And, um, he talks for a full minute, maybe two, and then lets go of the button, and it sits there and flashes for a little while, okay? And then eventually, now, we also have this problem of using the box that, um, you know, it had come out in a computerized voice. Is anybody going to do computerized voices? I'm not. So uh, we're just going to take it as read that 
you get inflection and all that sort of thing, and then just apply it when you hear that. And who knows, maybe the translator is just that good that it even gets emotion across. So, when the translator finally speaks, you hear Paxo's words, and he says, You probably don't recognize me, man. When you saw me before, I was just a little spatula. Nine years old, Cabo. But you look exactly the same way I remember you, except there was five of you. But on behalf of my planet, I welcome you, wise and honored kangaroos. My parents used to take me and Vril tenting in the woods all the time when we were kids. One night after everyone was asleep, I saw you descend from the sky, ma'am. And I ran and I ran and ran and ran to find out what it was. When I got there, there you were, your ship and all five of you, picking up rocks and digging plants up, man. You tried to talk to me, but we couldn't understand each other. So I just sat and watched you. After a while, you got in your ship and you were gone. And I missed out on all that you could have shared with my people. So I have spent my life building this translator, at this Vril rolls his eyes, so I'd be able to talk to you if I ever saw you again so I could understand the great wisdom that you are here to impart. And I've been watching the skies these 20 years waiting for you to return, man. Me and my brother have made a life of tracking unusual phenomena in our world and seeking to channel the greater meaning and order of the benevolent cosmos. I've been looking everywhere for you for many years. That bus has seen a lot of miles, Cabo. It's loaded with specialized equipment, most of it homemade, and I am honored that you have chosen me to be the first to greet your coming. And I thank you on behalf of my people for coming here to bring light and peace from your great people to our poisoned world. This is a day to exercise. And I don't the, think he understood your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just eager to, oh. you know, he's been waiting 20 years to talk to you guys. So I'm going to grab the translator back from Poxo. Okay. I don't know if we should tell him that we're space trackers. Yeah. No, I'm going to grab it and push the button. I'm going to say, um... Maybe we can take him along with us. What do you mean you saw us 20 years ago? We were just only kids. Um... Especially because I'm only... I'm only I'm 25. I'm 26. Like 20, so 29. I'm like 25. Okay, uh, this Vril would take the translator, and um, he says some stuff into the box, and then when he plays it back, he says, uh, yeah, that, I'd like to know why you didn't age as well. And I have other questions. Okay, I'll take the box. I don't remember coming 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think I came 20 years ago. And I, I don't know, but why don't we get your questions out of the way? I'd be willing to answer your questions, if, if you can help us fix our ship. 
as the translator uh, is reading out what you had to say, and you said that you don't remember being here, um, Poxo gives a look over to Vril and kind of nudges him like that. Take, take that whatever way you will. Um, <laughs> if Vril were to have the box back, yes, he would have another question. Would you be trying to snatch it away from him before he gets a chance to ask his question? It just sounded like you were ready to go, so I didn't know if there'd be a fight over the box or whatever. Yeah, I would grab it and say, are, these, are the, those pictures in his box pictures of us? Um, Poxa would take the translator, and he would say, um, well, it sure looks like you to me, dude. I don't know if we'll ever be able to determine the truth, because they're written, or they're drawn like child. It's child's drawing. And sometimes the people want to believe something... It's easy to overlook certain details. Well, you who knows really what want... Brainwater did? Yeah, Brainwater could just erase our memories and make us not age. Can not... we just tell them I'll... through the translator? I'd like to, um... No, <laughs> I was just going to say, tell them through the translator that we work for a company called Dulos. Uh... Oh, we lost our captain in a pirate attack. We don't remember anything before we joined up with this corporation. Well, it we sounds, don't know that, really. It, it sounds like if she wanted to take this line, you might have something to say to her about that. Yeah. And let's let them... I think we should let them ask their questions, get their help. We don't need to dispel anything <laughs> before... It really becomes necessary, I, wanna, I think. I want to ask them if they have any analyzers so we can analyze something that we take a day which could, like, that affects, seems to affect us. I think we should let them ask their questions, get them to help us, and then we can deal with some of these other things. Because it'll still, the captain. It'll still take a long time to fix our ship, probably. Because the conduit... The energy cable is only part of everything. Like, there's still a lot of other work afterwards. It might take us a month or who knows how long. If I had experience, those uh, rat coins I was talking about for exp in, in lieu of experience points, <laughs> you've been hitting two or three things that I was hoping somebody at the table would come across. So, um, But yes, I did leave this wide open. To where, wait a minute, these people think we're gods or something? Maybe we can use that to our advantage. I was hoping somebody was going to feel that way. But it's written both ways. So, But we're about to pop already. So um, we, will, um, we will decide who's going to say what into the translator. Uh, and keeping in mind that um, Vril um, still has... Questions. And I'll just go ahead and say, I've already pointed out that skeptic is a word to describe him. Um, how does his skepticism work exactly? To what extent is he skeptical? There. I timed it perfectly. I had to go into radio. 
<laughs> Final answer. Who's going to say what um, into the uh, box? Real, I would be happy to answer any. Oh, I'd, I'd say thank you, Paxo, for your warm words. Mm -hmm. Real, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have for us. All right. Um, let's see. He already asked, why haven't you aged? So let's say he asks, who are you, why are you here, and what planet are you from? I think we should discuss amongst ourselves and then answer. Um, should we say, like, we uh, travel around in a spaceship and to try to sell stuff to get money, but we really don't work for, we supposedly work for Dulos, but not really anymore. Okay, I think we should have more straightforward answers than that. I think we should say our names. And that we were we came here to deliver some supplies, or maybe we could even say deliver something. And our ship crash landed. Yeah, and our ship crash landed. And why haven't we aged? Well, he asked that one already. Although I don't know if you guys answered it. Well, yeah, I don't know why we haven't. We have. There's. It could be because of so brain water that we take that. And they erase people erased our minds, so we have no access to knowing what what happened. I don't know if we should say all that. I could just say that um, we come from the sky. <laughs> okay, so who are we? Where are we from? This. Why are we here? And why haven't we aged? Okay, so where are we from? We don't know. The sky. I think we should say... <laughs> yeah, it's scripted what is the name of your planet, but where are you from is enough. What's the name? Planet? You started at Nellius. Nellius? Let's say we're from Nellius. Or we could just... Introduce ourselves. Or we could just um, have them think we're some kind of special people. We'll think we're special even with... Answers that aren't lies. I think. Especially Poxo. Okay. And then, why don't we age? We don't know why in your eyes. How about we say, we don't know why in your eyes we haven't yeah, aged. Yeah. Alright. Why do you think we haven't aged? Okay, so I'll take the thing. Okay. Introduce everybody. Do you want me just to actually say it? No, it's fine. Okay, this is Baronix. I'm Varduk. This is Bosk. That's Hera. We are from the planet Melius. Take us to your leader. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we came here to deliver something, and our we had mechanical problems and our ship crashed. And we don't know why we don't age in your eyes. It's not bad, not bad. He still looks skeptical, but he asks, um, he at least seems somewhat curious in what you're saying. He wants to know, what's with the earring? Is it part of your uniform? No. Yeah. I think we should say it's a communication device. Yeah. Um, he'll ask, communicate with who? With each other. Yeah. And can you call your home planet with it? 
No. There's only one four of us. <clears throat> okay. As he is asking these questions and you are answering them, he goes to his desk and gets out another little box, um, bigger than this one. And as you're talking, he's holding this up as he's listening to the translation, and he's going like this. And when he gets the uh, translator box back, um, he, he tells you that the housing of your com cuff looks like plastic, but it's not plastic. He says it's very dense. His scanner can't even see through it. Um, and he says that the end of the cuff, so, you know, it's a cuff that clips on, little bitty thing. He says that each end of the cuff that go, is here and here fits perfectly against the skin and that there is a thick pin pierced through your, the cartilage securing the two ends together. So, yes, he cannot scan through it. It's very dense, even though it looks like plastic. Uh, there's a thick pin pierced through. Uh, do you know about the wires? No. No. Wait, he's asking us? Mm, what do you think we should say? I'd like to find out more about these earpieces. <laughs> so I think we should say, no, we don't know about the wires. I think we should say something maybe more, like, generalized, like, uh, Not yet. We, we've never had to fix them, we've never worked on them, um, so we actually don't know much about the mechanics other than they just, they work. Are you satisfied with that? Mm -hmm. He explains to you that, yeah, there is an earbud that plugs into your ear that's connected to that cuff. But coming out of the earbud, there are three very thin wires. He says they, they go into the ear canal and pierce through the ear canal and go deep into the skull and disappear in the brain and that the brain tissue is too thick for the scanner to see where the wires terminate. Nice. So maybe that's what we're using. Okay. So we're going to give ourselves a lobotomy if we try to pull it out. Maybe. Yeah, but the other guy did it. The crazy guy. <laughs> he cut off his ear. If that's what that was, all you know is he was missing an ear. And then it was very jagged. I mean, do you, do you guys think that he used to work for Delos? The crazy guy? Maybe. Maybe the brain water only works because of the ear pierce. I don't know. Or maybe if we cut off the ear wires, it won't work anymore. Maybe. So at this end of the wires is the earbud. What's at the other end of the wires? Yeah, I mean, is it just the wires end there, or are they connected to terminals, boxes? Scan my head. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, you know, that's what he's doing. And um, he said that, um, um, that the brain tissue, you know, obscures his view. 
I think we should just file this away, and then when we have better okay. scanners, we can do more investigating. Explain the philosophy behind what you're trying to do here. I think we should... We want them to help us right now. And I think that if we can get agreement to help, we can... It'll be easier in the future to ask for these things. Like, do we want to appear as people that have no idea what's going on? And I think it's... I think... Once there's trust, it's a lot easier to say, like, hey, can you analyze this chemical for us? Hey, can you, would you mind doing this? We should be forthright, I think, as much as makes sense, to gain trust and to get them to help us. If we appear as, like, are we, like, escaped criminals that they've implanted something in their brain, like... Are they going to turn us over to the authorities? I don't know. But clearly, on this planet, we would be undesirable from the standpoint of the people in charge. They wouldn't want us interacting with people because they want to hide all this, that they're the ones that invent the stuff, and there's no aliens. And so I think we don't want to be in the position where they are going to feel uncomfortable with us or think not be sure who we are or we spin on this story that we ourselves don't understand and so your position is um you're not saying yeah let's play along with what they believe you're not saying no let's tell them they're wrong about what they believe about us you're saying let's just play it close to the vest say as little as possible and let them think whatever they think yeah. Until we can get a little ahead in the game a bit. Yeah. All right. So what was the last thing that happened? Um, I think we should just oh, we should then the say, do you have any other questions for us? Yeah. He seems a little less skeptical now. You get the feeling he's never seen this technology that's in your earpiece. Mm-hmm. Um... And he seems a little tiny bit, I don't know, like you hear a little emotion in his voice when he asks you, why do you keep choosing Poxo? Hmm. I think we should say, I don't think we have chosen Poxo. I just think that it's been coincidence that he's been near us twice. That's what I think we should say. Or that he was, the second time he was eager to try to find us. Yeah, and the second time he was looking for us. And so where other people might have overlooked our landing, he was expecting something. That's a good point. So, um... You give him that answer, and now he looks skeptical again. It's like he doesn't buy it. But he wants to know, um, so what is it that you expect us to do for you? Uh, I want to lay out 
as detailed as possible what kind of parts we need to fix our ship. Okay, so you would have spoken into the translator that you've got a cover that flew off, you've got a fat cable that came off, so far so good. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, you would express that um, we may be great at repairing things, but this isn't about repair, this is about needing a part. At, this, at that point, Poxo and Vril share a look to each other like, um, and the translator uh, continues to read, uh, or continues to, to say what you said, that um, you uh, um, have some ideas of scouring town for parts, you have ideas of scouring the yard for parts, um, etc. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's kind of what I had in mind, is that you guys might be doing some brainstorming about how you might go about this stuff in its simplest way. Now, I am springboarding from Bardak last time, in the last session, was asking if there was any part that you could use from inside of the ship. Um, what I'm going to say is that the two of you have been talking. Now, we are going to break perfect logic in order to serve the story better. Um, you guys would have been talking about anything you might be able to scavenge from the ship, and you it's obvious that you probably aren't going to come up with a cable, um, but you've uh, discussed some possibilities for what you might use as a um, uh, an impromptu panel. Um, I am... I've spent a lot more time thinking about this than you have, so I am willing to let you have a stroke of something like brilliance. What you're going to do is you're going to give me a 2d6 plus engineering. Okay. Um, if you get a success, I will give you one of the hints on my list here, but I'm going to warn you that each one of these hints does have a potential flaw, and I'm not going to tell you what the potential flaw is, but it's logical it's something you'd probably think of yourself if you had had three weeks to think about it. So there's going to be three of these. Okay. Only three. You get as many hints as you get successes. Uh-oh. Four. Seven. Oh. You have a plus what in engineering? Three. Nice. Uh, seven. Yeah, it's got to be an eight to succeed. So try again. Eight. Eight. All right. The, uh, the every room on both decks they have an airlock door that closes, and it occurs to you as an engineer that um, those doors are meant to withstand a great deal of stress. Perhaps they could be used on the outside of the ship. You got one last chance. Another eight. Another eight. Um, the, uh, we had sort of said, though I wouldn't call it entirely canon, we had sort of said that in the engineering room right there, that that might be some housing on an accessible part of the engine. Mm -hmm. That engine housing, and that was your contribution to the canon, by the way, 
That engine housing is meant to minimize explosion damage to the rest of engineering. If it were to blow, that is a reinforced super kind of metal that would, to some extent, contain the explosion. So that might be useful on the outside of the ship. Okay. So there are your two hints. And there it is. So, um... Let's say while you guys are discussing all of that, um, that um, they've been, uh, Paxo and Vril have been talking amongst themselves, and um, they butt in, and Paxo says, uh, we might know where you could get the part you need, but you're not going to like it, Cabo. And we will buy a break there. Okay, so let's, uh, should we ask Paxo where to get the part and what we need to do to get it? Okay. Well, <clears throat> Paxo starts to talk and Vril takes it away from him. Okay, but he had to clear the translation first. Uh, what Paxo managed to sneak in was there's a uh, an XSI research facility not far from here, Cabo. Vril takes it from him and says, it's just labs and stuff. It's, it's not heavily guarded. But they have a captured ship. We've seen it. Okay. Okay, well, let's, we should maybe ask them for as many details as possible. Okay. They seem to have surveillance equipment. They argue back and forth and keep taking the box from each other up. Poxo points out, we're acting in these surveillance cameras, man. We have been for years. Um, and he points out they've got a captured ship. Vril, when he manages to get it away, says, now, there's no saying that it's an alien ship. It's probably just top-secret military. Um, but... If you guys were to ask for the details, Vril would tell you that they have spent a whole lot of nights watching the security cameras. They've got to be within range of this facility. They've been watching for years. Uh, in the bus, we got a small refridge, flash popkins, and every string of Pearls album ever put out on the streamer. We just hang out and watch all night. Uh, we've figured out the layout of most of the building. And yes, they make it clear that they know a way in, but they've never considered it worth the risk. Vril says their security system isn't very good. I can turn off every surveillance camera all at once, he says. In fact, I can unlock every door in the entire facility all at once, but neither of those capabilities is useful for a stealthy infiltration. But they know a way in that would probably work. And uh, Poxo says, yeah, we know a way in. But you're not going to like that either, Cabo. I know. So what, what, how, how does it work? How do, what is going to happen? Well, you have to go into the garbage chute, Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ride in the back of a garbage truck to get there with the garbage. 
and then you go up a garbage chute. Now, Vril takes it away, and um, he says it's, uh, it's really not that tough. We drive you to a certain tree by the road that goes to the complex. You climb the tree, wait for the, the truck, and jump in. The truck will be waiting, or no, the truck will be picking up a dumpster from the facility, but you jump out before it picks it up. You go up the trash chute, through the mechanicals room, then a corridor, an office, crawl into the air duct, come out in another office, then two corridors to the double doors, and you're there. Alright. I'm going to ask... Can, you, can I ask draw them detailed if, plans of the building? And I'm going to ask them also, um, is there like any guards with guns there? There are... I lost the... Okay, there's three floors and one sub-level floor. Each floor has a security office. At night, each security office has one guard with a pistol, except on the ground floor they have two. One at the main entrance desk and one patrolling. Now, as far as detailed maps, um, he says that um, they, since you guys have comms, one of you would stay outside and one of you goes in, they monitor you on the surveillance cameras and walk you through each step of the way, keeping an eye out for guards, when to open the door, when not to open the door. Um, from the bus, they can do some hacking for the doors and stuff like that. Um, Vril says that we can provide a handheld door hacker and some stun beads. Someone in the bus can freeze cameras for a few seconds when you have to use a corridor. The path is foolproof. All it takes is some skill and some luck, and there's really not much that can go wrong. Okay, so do they only suggest one person going in? Well, considering you're going to have to go through trash chutes and air ducts and all like that, um, but uh, this is written completely open-ended. Whoever wants to go, if you guys can all agree on it, we have an infiltration adventure. So I feel I like what I should stands, go. So what should probably happen is um, someone should stay with Poxo and Rel to like tell them what's going to go on, and then... It, you wanted to do that? Yeah. And then I guess I would have to go with you to try to do it just in case something goes wrong and I have to blast some people up. Because probably I'll be best equipped to determine if the part will work. And then but it might be start. nice to have Kara for hacking. I don't know if we need to do any hacking while we're there. Or how realistic it will be to hack things if we can't read anything. He said he could send you with a handheld um, door hacking device and stun beads. Yeah, then I think Kara should go. So also. then us three, and then you stay there. Yeah. What are the stun beads? It pulls out a. It, it looks like a knee pad, one of those stretchy ones that you put on, but it goes on your arm here, and it's got little elastic pockets on it. And you can see that some of them have a little ball inside. And it looks like you could easily just get one of these balls out. 
Um, he tells you it's a, there, it's a squarish array of about 20 pockets, but he tells you there's only nine beads left. And he takes one out and shows it to you. It's like a little white marble. And it activates when it hits a hard surface. He explains that it is not the impact, it is the fine point of pressure. So if you throw it on dirt, it probably wouldn't work. If you throw it on carpet, it probably wouldn't work. It has to be on an actual hard surface. Yeah. And that it doesn't take much pressure. It, he, he would point out if it's a carpeted floor, aim for a wall or an object. It sends out a 20-foot spherical shockwave. And anyone in the strike zone of that shockwave is dazed to the point of being incapacitated for 30 to 60 minutes. Depends on the person. Most people, but not all, are rendered unconscious within seconds. At this, Popsell grins and says, boy, tell me about it. Um, a second exposure to a, 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 using one of these on a stunned person would probably kill that person. Okay. And he's got nine of these stun beads. Okay. Do you throw it? Yeah, I mean, as long as it... He, and, but he points out it doesn't take much pressure. Just a little underhanded toss onto a tiled floor or something like that. Just make sure you're not within 20 feet of it. Okay. I like the idea of the three of us going. They all think you're crazy for all of you trying to go back. They think only one should go? They didn't mention that. It's just, um, they definitely just feel like three is going to be way too many. So, so maybe it should just be hair and I. So let's cover a little footage. Um, you guys would uh, all pile into the bus. We need to get clothes from them. Some dark clothing. We could just wear our jumpsuits. You are going to go at night, by the way. Um, so I'm yeah, gonna be in my wearing a suit. skirt. I'm not gonna do this infiltration in a skirt. Right, <laughs> and the only clothes they own. Let's say that you find that Vril owns like four of the same outfit, and all Puxo owns is more hippie stuff. So yeah, you <laughs> might want to. They don't have any uh, uh, long johns. I think we should, we should go in our jumpsuits. Yeah, I think the jumpsuits is the easy answer. As far as long johns, um... Well, then they would kind of think you're some kind of ninja or something. If they see us, it's bad. Fear guard us. We're going to let these guys go based on their clothing. Yeah, because like, if they're hippies, they're just going to think you're some crazy guy just looking around. Uh, sure, somebody's got a pair of long johns. Are they black? No. <laughs> Oh. They're white. Oh. Yeah. All right, then I'll wear the jumpsuit. Okay. Is everybody putting their jumpsuit on? No, nope. I want my hippie clothes on. Okay. You want your hippie clothes? Yeah. Okay. I'm You're going to... Okay. <laughs> All right, so you two in your jumpsuits, you two are in your hippie clothes. So everybody piles into the bus. We'll say that you go to the drive-thru and get some uh, breakfast popkins and some hodge. Um, you go to the ship. Um... Vril no longer looks as skeptical once he walks around the ship a bit. Um, Hera um, is wearing her jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. What else are you taking with you? Pistol. I'm going to take a rifle too, but... One at a time. Pistol. 
Um, do you want to carry the uh, the hacking device? Okay, hacking device. That's it. Bardak, what are you taking with you? You're in your jumpsuit. I'm gonna take a pistol. I guess I'll wear this the thing. Oh, the the beads. stun beads. And then um. Stun beads. Do do I have a tool belt that I can just yes. load up with anything I think that might be necessary? Tool bag. We are one way or another going to have to just, um, well, we needed a day to pass, but if we don't get moving, we won't have much time. So I guess we're just going to have to say that the day has passed. Um, let's say you guys went to wherever it was they eat, and y'all uh, sit around and eat fest and popkins. Um, and then they are going to drive the bus with all of you out to the place where the XSI research facility is. Oh, I have a question. Is there like cameras that they could have so like they know where they are visually? Mm -hmm. There are surveillance cameras all inside the facility and out in the bus they are going to be watching everybody's every move. On. You'll be able to watch what they are doing on those cameras, okay? And then yes, somebody at the controls is going to be able to freeze the camera, but it's for uh, just like 10 or 15 seconds. So like, alright, you gotta cross that corridor, the guy at the security desk at front is going to see you if he's looking at that screen. So I'm going to freeze the camera. You're going to run for it. And then eventually the camera will unfreeze itself. Obviously, that ain't 100% foolproof. They might see that the time frame, that the time counter has stopped and tried to reset it or something. Um, there will be many steps to this operation. Every one of them is going to be a roll. Every one of them has a chance to fail. Now, if you fail... That it, gives me a lot of chances to go in. <laughs> maybe. But it'll usually be things like um, you got through the air vent into the office, but now you can't get the air vent back on. Sooner or later, somebody will walk into this office and see it. Sooner or later, an alarm could sound. So it's all about covering your tracks as best as possible, and those are typically the ways that the rolls are going to fail. So, we are going to bio-break here, and when we get back from the bio-break, we are going to do the infiltration. Um, I don't know, I had coconut on my mind last week, and when I saw coconut cream soda, I thought, hey, I'll try it. Needless to say, I've never had this. Yeah, neither have I. That's not bad. Um, and um, I, I used to be a big fan of Funyuns. Mm -hmm. And uh, one Saturday movie night, we went to the dollar store, and she got a bag of those TGI Fridays brand onion rings. And uh, I tried one. And then I tried 20. I thought they were so much better than Funyuns. So, but yeah, they're just cheap dollar store snacks. So, so um, let's just jump right into it, shall we? It is nighttime. It is not exactly the middle of the night, but it's 
well and truly nighttime, okay? So, they drive you along this isolated road. A lot of trees around. Remember, this is a, a foresty kind of place. Um, but yes, um, it is an area of the road where it's much clearer. Um, and they take you to this tree. And sure enough, this tree is big. And it has large, a couple large branches that hang over the road. And um, they tell you guys, okay, there's the tree. You're going to want to climb up to those big branches and wait for the trash truck to come by. And when it does, jump into the back of it. Be quick. It kind of moves slow out here, but it's not going to slow down fast enough for you to make a nice graceful jump into it. So the door opens. And uh, Bardak and Hira get out. Yeah. And begin to ascend the tree. Mm-hmm. All right. The bus leaves with Poxo, Vril, Baronix, and Bosk. Now, we will stay with them for a moment. Um, they find a nice isolated spot where they park in some trees. They climb into the back of their bus, and they start firing up equipment. Sure enough, um, there is some surveillance footage, and they even show you guys the ship. They switch over to a camera, and... Um, da, 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 da. Okay, the ship is nothing like yours. It appears to be some sort of scout. It's small, so maybe like a one or two man ship. Um, and it has a cannon mounted on top of it. There are no logos to be seen, so you have no idea its affiliation. And there's a large rolling ladder to be able to get up on top of it. Okay, so you guys are already seeing the inside of this building, and you're seeing where the guards are patrolling and that sort of thing. Meanwhile, Get you guys... Too. Huh? Get the cannon, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking a cannon. We're talking... You can't carry it. You definitely won't fit into an air vent on the way back out. Um, so... Here comes the trash truck. Okay. Here we go. Let me... Find my spot, because I'm all over the place here. Um, inside person, I guess persons now, will be making basic 2d6 succeed and fail rolls each step. If you think there's a modifier that would, uh, uh, that would apply to a roll that you're going to make, tell me about it. Um, Vril, Bosk, Veronix, and Poxo are watching. Um, and they will be doing some hacking and jamming and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of a problem. Hmm. But we will see. Maybe I'll do the roll. See, I really thought you were going to go in alone and you were going to stay in the bus so that you could help him hack stuff. And I had a whole bunch of rolls written for you. But I think I'll make the rolls myself. So... You are going to, ready, ready, now, and jump into the trash truck. 2d6, both of you. Eight. Three. You fall into the trash truck, maybe with a splat. Your leg catches on a branch. 
and you feel pain on your um, butox, but you made it into the truck. So the truck trundles along through the darkness. It uh, proceeds for several minutes. Um, what are you doing? You want to be peeking out or keep your head down, or what do you want to do? Peeking out. As you are peeking out, you are seeing nothing but darkness, although you do eventually see the facility that you are headed toward. Okay. Spooky. The gate opens automatically for the truck, and it pulls into the facility and there is, uh, I was actually visualizing where you work, where that loading bay thing is, you know. It's kind of like that, it, uh, except that it's flat. It backs up, and sure enough, there is a large dumpster in there. What are you supposed to do now? Jump out. Yeah, jump out. 2d6. And again, if you see a skill you want to apply, just let me know. Five. Nine. Does engineering apply? Can't do it. The garbage man driving the truck saw you. Oh no. Uh oh. Hey! And he's getting out of the truck. Better hmm. do something. Should I flash bomb him? Should no. I beam him? I run into the forest. If he has a gun. He's a garbage man. He doesn't have a gun. Um, or whack something. I don't know. So he sees him getting out of the truck? Yeah, he, he saw him. And he knows he came from the truck. Yeah, so let's say you jumped out on the passenger side of the truck... He jumped out on the driver's side of the truck. Um, Two garbage the Now there's one garbage man in the truck, and Good. he has now seen Bardak, and he shouted, Hey! And he's opening up the, the door. Alright, I'll toss a bee to his feet and get out of the way. Alright. Um, Should I, I roll something? No, I didn't bother getting a sound effect for the stun beads, because I had no idea you'd have to use them so soon. But, okay, we will say that there is a brilliant flash of blue and purple, and the guy slumps over. And as far as covering your tracks, there is now a body and a garbage truck. The next step Maybe of the... Maybe we put the body in the garbage truck. Maybe he fell asleep. Do we have any alcohol? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Let's, like, um, make him look drunk. Okay, here's what I think we should do. Put the bar. I don't know what we should do. No. One of us could drive the garbage truck back, and only one of us could go forward. Yeah, that works. You're going to drive the garbage truck where? Just out of the, just like, out, <laughs> we'll just leave it. No, no, but if the guy is there with a the bottle, or like, then they would think he like just drunk. 
We loaded, yeah, but we don't have time to dig through there. So, yeah, I think um, we should get him loaded in the truck. I'll get in. I'll drive the truck. Or what could happen is you could put it so in. Yeah, to empty the garbage and then drive the truck out of there. Or what and could you can is, communicate with them on where you should go to meet up with them. Or what could happen is you put him in the driver's seat to be... Close the door you and make give it... me the hacking thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And then make it look like he fell asleep. He's gonna know, though. He's gonna wake up in maybe 30 minutes. Yeah, and still the garbage truck is there. Uh, hopefully you guys will be out of here within 30 minutes, by the way. Plus, it could be longer than 30 minutes, too. Okay. What do you think? Should we go together then? Should we put just put him in the truck and make it seem like he fell asleep? <laughs> yeah. And put, if we have a marker, we can put something on his face. I mean, if somebody eventually discovers him after you're gone, it's not like it's a big deal. Um, I would just be saying, we got to get out of here before that guy wakes up or before somebody discovers him. All so, right. probably the antithesis of standing around talking about yeah, what to do Yeah, let's next. just go ahead then, I think. The next step of the plan would be to climb through the inclined garbage chute. Yeah. We're talking like an angle, actually probably a little steeper than that. Okay. So, that's what you want to go ahead and do. You I think we guy. should put him in the driver's seat to okay. make it seem like he may have fallen asleep. All right, so you guys heft him up, you put him in the truck, you close the door, you head for the garbage chute. You are now going to climb into the garbage chute and try to ascend. 2d6. 5. 8. Which one of you is in front? I should ask that first. I don't know. How about you both side by side? You can't go side by side. I'll go first. It's big enough to get a, a trash bag of trash through, but that's it. So you go first. That's probably not too bad. So you guys get... Maybe halfway when, I mean, it's a garbage chute, it's slippery, you lose your grip, you slide all the way down and land in the dumpster beneath the garbage chute, um, but you slip in garbage goo and fall in it. So now you're covered in your gar in this garbage goo, and so is your bag. Um, so you will attempt to go back up the garbage chute, 2d6. 12. Twelve. Okay, so, um, yeah. Um, did you wait for him, or did you keep on trucking? Or no, what? I had to keep going because okay. I didn't want to slide. Right. Okay, so we will say that you um, uh, you eventually make it to the mechanical room. Uh, can anybody tell me what a mechanical room is? It's like where the boiler is and stuff like that. Yep, yep. In fact, I meant to have pictures ready, but... Um, Okay, so, oh, and by the way, when you get to that, the, the little swing door that'll open in the mechanical room, there is also a vertical chute above you to the other floors, but you don't want to, you, you want to eventually be down, not up. So, um, you guys are going to exit into the mechanical room. You are going first. Um, both of you go ahead and give me a 2d6. Wait, we should also, you should ask um, if there's... Yes. Anybody there? I think we would know if someone was there. 
Uh, there actually is not a surveillance camera in the mechanical room, so you're taking your chances. Eight and what? Four. Four, and you're the one going in first. As you tumble through, and you stand up, and you look, and there's a janitor standing there. <gasps> Uh-oh. Um, by the way, as they are watching this, um, Poxo says something to Vril. And I'll go ahead and just let you in on it. He says, oh, geez, Vril, it's the night they had the overnight guy do the carpet cleaning. We forgot about that. So, there is a janitor. You are now coming through the chute. <coughs> All right. Does he see me? Oh, yes. Oh. Okay, let's let's grab him. No. And let's uh. Hold his face down into the garbage goo and <laughs> until he passes out. I'll just launch him down into the garbage. <laughs> I'm one. Can I put one of the beads in his pocket and shove him down the garbage chute so that it wouldn't break until he lands in the garbage? Uh, again, it's going to have to strike a bare surface. They are um, they're in the little elastic pockets. Even just that elastic holding them in is enough to keep them from detonating. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Maybe what you could do is, um... Damn, I should have the chloroform. <laughs> yeah, now, now hang on a minute. Hera um, frequently does heroic things. Why don't we give her the chance, since she's the first through the door, she's the one looking at him. I'm gonna swing kick him. Okay. All right. She's fit and agile. Uh, what's your target? His face. Your combat? Oh, I forgot about that. Yep, minus three it is. I have a wrench, too. So. I got a plus two. I got a plus two evil. Sex. Yeah, that's a fail. So we'll just say you missed. And we'll pass along to Bardak, who's bringing up the rear. I'll hit him on the head with the wrench. <laughs> All right. You got combat minus three as well? You betcha. Okay. Let's I got see what oh, God. <laughs> okay. He now realizes that he is, um, he, uh, is in a dangerous situation. <laughs> So he goes it's running. A very non we should have brought Bob. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Or so I got a good. Yeah, too bad you guys are at the the boss Bad's looking side. tent. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and say this music sucks, and I'm going to stop it. There we go. Um, so um, I'm gonna give you another. He's running for the door. You can go ahead and, and act. Or do you both want to try to pounce him at the same time? Or what? Yes? I want to try to throw trip a wrench. Him. You're going to try to trip him. That's not bad. All right, roll it. If a wrench was a boy, <laughs> whack him in the head. That's not a bad idea, actually. He suggests you throw the wrench and whack him in the head. But you had your chance. What, uh... You trip hair on the way. Hair. I'm gonna hit him on the back of the head with the butt of my gun. Okay. Roll it. I don't know. God. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Maybe a stun bow would be better. Is Should we do marks? Should we to fight back? Sure, yeah. For each one? Yeah. Um, Is he 20 feet away yet? Uh, you could manage to get 20 feet away if you kind of throw and back up at the same time. All right, I want to do that. All right, then... Um, you better yell at me to back up. <laughs> yeah, fire in the hole. Um, the... Uh, stun beads do not require a roll. It is a given that it works. Yay. You now have... Uh, would you um, track this, please? On your He's inventory. At seven. Yeah, you've got seven stun beads left. I count. Um, I'll this, track it too, but it's always better if you do This keeps on happening. I'm so Rose could break a janitor in there? No. There is not a surveillance camera in the... Um, is that a then let's put <laughs> him down the garbage chute. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Sorry, janitor. I sympathize with your working class job. And, yeah. but I mean, really, it's Boxo and Grill's fault. Wait, wait, wait. What did he do to the janitor? We stunned him, him and then we're going to put him down the garbage chute. <laughs> we don't want people finding him. How do you feel about this that already they've said, oops? Yeah, we didn't think of that. Yeah. Well, how did they know that they were in there then? Um, I made a mistake. Uh -oh. We'll just say that you guys told them, you know. Yeah, we just had to knock out a janitor and throw him down the garbage chute, and then that's when Poxo uh. says, Oh, geez, really? We forgot. It's tonight they do the carpet. <laughs> um, so you're going to have to now exit the mechanicals room into the corridor. Now... Here is where Hira would have been rolling. Um, Vril tells you that he's got to freeze the camera before you open the door. And right now, there is a guard passing by. So you guys just stay quiet and wait. Once he's around the corner, I'm going to freeze the camera. What do you have for computers, too? Yeah. I'll use that. Myself. Don't sneeze either. Okay. Um, he says, go. So you go. Open the door and run. Okay. Um, he tells you to hang a left and make it quick. Um, You get down, and he says, stop there and go in that office. Um, <laughs> now, um, they know the combination to this particular office because it's the office that's closest to the camera, and they've been watching for years. They've seen the guy punch in his code. So he tells you the code. You punch in the code. You enter the room. The two of you are now in a little office. This is where you're going to have to remove the grating and enter the air vent. Um, 2d6 from both of you. 10. 3. 3. Say what? 3. <laughs> Alright, so who's going into the vent first? Actually, you go into the vent first. So you go crawling up in there. He pushes on your feet to help you get up into it. You go climbing up into there and your feet flop around. You manage to get yourself pulled <laughs> in. And that's when you realize this is too tight of a squeeze. 
to you can't turn around and put the grate back on. So you're either going to have to leave it, or you're going to have to back out and go feet first and put the grating back on. Which one do you want to do? You have to get back out. By the way, the way I wrote this is it's succeed or fail, but there is no fail. It's succeed with a complication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just leave it. Vril would recommend that you just keep moving. But yeah. that's easy for him to say. He's a mile away in the bus. Do I have, like, any, like, hook and string in my toolbox? Where I could hook the... Yeah, no. Okay, then let's just keep on going. Okay. So, let's um, take account here. You have... The guy that you had to knock out and leave in the truck. Yeah. You've got the God truck himself. itself. Yeah. You've got the janitor that you had to knock out and throw down the garbage <laughs> chute. And now you have a vent left behind. Yeah. That is four things that four I am tracking over here. Okay. And sooner or later, somebody may very well catch one of these. And you're already at four. That's not good. Okay. So, you crawl through this air vent mm -hmm. and eventually you come to it goes right it goes left it goes straight and it goes straight down okay. and you would then ask which way to go and um, that's where Poxa speaks up and says yeah you gotta go down Cabo Okay. And yeah, it's and a long it ways down. Like a um, shoe in the dryer. <laughs> yeah. So yes, it is a long, long drop straight down. Now again, it's a tight fit. I mean, by tactical use of your body, you could very well, you know, make it a a very controlled thing. I mean, odds are you really could, right? You should let's, bring the magnet. And let's find out. That's right. You should have brought the magnet and put them on down six. first, I guess. Since oh, I'm in the lead. I guess so. So please. Go oh, Don't yeah. worry. He's got six. I'm a type. Seven. Seven. Okay. You go down so, right on top of the guard. You both fail. I'll let you guys write this one. We'll make a big noise. <laughs> Okay, so you go carefully down, and what happens? You. I went down feet first. So, okay, so you would have had to have crawled across because you were yeah. going head first, and yeah. here's the drop down. So you crawled across and came down and went feet first. Mm, I think that'd be pretty tricky. I mean, your knees don't bend that direction. But you could go right. You could go right, and then get to the, you know, because it went right, left, straight, down. Go to the side until your feet are kind of over, and then just scoot back a little Okay, bit. all right. So you went down feet first, and it's only a seven. It's not a huge fail. Um, and because of my hurt hip already, my leg gave out, and I slid down a bit. Okay, and it was pretty noisy. Yeah, it was noisy. Okay. Now, <laughs> right? Um, and then how much of a fail did you have? Oh, six. And it's still not a horrible failure. So how did you fail exactly? You toddled on here. Yeah, I think I just landed really hard. 
Okay. And and again, it was loud. Mm -hmm. So you guys have now made two loud <laughs> noises. <laughs> We're not very good at this. Well, apparently not. Six. Um, <laughs> We're the brains of the outfit. Uh huh. So brains, now you are still in the ventilation shaft. Um, you've dropped down, and um, you can go right or you can go left. So you would... Is it the... Call. We call and ask. Uh-huh. And um, they can't seem to agree if you're supposed to go right or left. I think we should go left. Because it's random. Or you should go, go opposite directions. Well, we could go opposite directions. One goes left, one goes right. I mean, but we should maybe every few feet communicate and make sure that we can still communicate with each other. Well, if you give me a 2d6. Seven. Eight. Ooh. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, this was written for one person, so we're just going to have to take the easy way out on this one. Um, which one of you wants to be you are going the right direction? It doesn't matter. Here, can go the right direction. You should, right. should probably do it first because <clears throat> then you know which ones. So, you... Just kept on going and going and going and never found a turn. And so they told you, yeah, it must have been the other way. Unfortunately, you're now going to have to move backwards all the way along the air vent until um, your feet meets up with Tara, uh, Hira. Now, Hira has gotten to the air vent that uh, that goes into the this office down one floor. So you guys are now on the sub-level, right? <clears throat> so... Um, you are face first at this air vent. Um, so you give me a 2d6. 10. 10. Okay, so you try pushing on it. And it's not moving like the other one did. Um, and you very quickly deduce um, that it's held in by screws. And uh, Vril comes, you tell Vril, and he says, oh, I didn't think of that. So, um, you then try to force it open, and since you had a successful roll, we will say you managed to get that thing knocked off of there, and both of you get out into this office, but yes, that, that grating will not go back on because you had to destroy it. And now that's five things you're going to have to leave behind. Or you could just throw it someplace else so they don't notice. Still going to be a huge gaping hole in the wall. So, um, as you guys look around, by the way, you're in the security office. Mm -hmm. We'll say that you guys had a comment about that, and they let you know, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's the only place that you could come out in the air vent on this floor. So, yes, you guys are in the, in the security office. You're going to want to uh, get out of there rather quickly. But that's the bio break, so we will find out what happens next afterward. Okay. So, you are now in the security office. Um, you're going to have to leave it, and Vril says that right now the coast is clear, but he's going to have to freeze the camera. 
before you guys can exit the security office. Okay. Okay, now... Do we roll two? Not yet. Um, down quarter to room at the end. Okay, he froze the camera. You guys go uh, out the door. Hang on. Okay, you go out the door, and you run to the corridor at the end of the room. And this is where you have to use your portable hacking device and hack this door um, before the camera unfreezes. So, give me a hacking roll, which um, I guess electronics. Um, it's a succeed. Eleven. The door pops open as soon as you hit the button, and you guys go through the door, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Vril gives you some good news. There are no more guard patrols past this point. So you are now in a security chamber. You just came through a door, which you hacked and then closed behind you. Now you're in a short little corridor, um, and there's another door right there. The problem is, you guys are already in view of a camera. Uh -oh. So, he's now going to freeze that one. Uh-oh. And it only froze for a couple of seconds, so you guys are fully <coughs> visible. Now, again, you are supposed to be the one in the bus. You and I are just going to have to do this together. We have 15 seconds to get three successes each. Okay. But, if you, every time you fail, you've now got to make up for it. You roll two times, and they must be two successes. And I'm glad we're not counting mine, because these are horrible. <laughs> um, okay, so, Go uh, with your electronics, <coughs> and you must get three successes. I succeeded. I did not. Uh oh. So now you got to roll two successes. Another fail. Oh, another fail. Another fail. So that's a There's a success. Need one more. Ah. Oh. Six. Maybe you're not so bad. No, keep going. Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so let's see. That means I've got a success, you've got a success, and now one more of us needs a success. Oh, I got a success. Okay, so the door pops open, and I, I should have timed it. I don't know if that was 15 seconds or not. Um, so, really, the boss was hacking, you were hacking. The door opens, and it opens to another corridor of doors. And I need to freeze that camera, and it froze. Um, the door opens to another corridor of doors. At the end of the corridor are large double doors. Now, we must hack the door before the camera comes back on. Three successes. Wait, and go. Success. Fail. Success. Fail. Success. Nice. Okay. The um, And that was in 10, 11 seconds, by the way. So, 
The double doors open to a large decon chamber with decon suits hanging on racks to the sides. A simple button press opens the inner doors. Somebody press the button. <laughs> the double doors open and you're in a large room. It's more like a small hangar. The ceiling is only about 25 feet high and the room is maybe 100 feet across. There are a number of lockers, tables, a lot of cabinet equipment you can identify. That must be a typo. Um, so there's lots of cabinets. Um, there's parts <laughs> of this ship everywhere. And in the center of the room is the small spaceship. The parts came from the remains of one anyway. Most of the panels have been removed and most of the components. The ship is nothing like yours. It appears to be some sort of scout. It's small, so like a one or two man ship. It has a cannon mounted on top of it. There are no logos to be seen, so you have no idea its affiliation. There's a large rolling ladder to get on top of it. So you guys have, uh, was that five or six things that went wrong? Wasn't it five? I think it was five. So, here you are. What do you want to do? I'm going to look for a cable. I'm going to first see if there's any cable that's just out. And even if there's multiple options that seem like they might work, let's just take as many as we can carry. Okay. Um, there are crates, boxes, tubs, cabinets, tables, the ship itself. What do you want to search first? Where do you want to look first? Crates, boxes, tubs, cabinets, tables, the ship itself. Tables. Tables, and then the ship, I think. How about you each take one? Okay. Okay. So. How about you do tables? Or maybe you should do the things you have to open. I'll do the tables since I'll be fast and then go to the ship. Because okay. that would be the slowest probably. Okay. So. Tubs and okay. cabinets. One at a time. Tubs. Mm -hmm. Roll for checking those tubs. Oh. Jinx. Eight. Okay, and you are first checking the tables. Do I get to use an investigation? Oh, sure, yeah, go for it. One. Three. Ah, plus the modifier? Um, okay, so on the table, you find... In the tubs. Oh, in the tubs, you do find a cable that you could have him have a look at. So with your engineering knowledge, have a look at it. And you deduce that it is six. Not usable. Um, so, where do you want to search next? There's crates, boxes, cabinets. Crates. All right. Give me a roll for searching the crates. Seven. Okay. And you. The ship. The ship. Want to climb up on the ladder and look around the ship? Should I use engineer? Well. Yeah, engineering. Okay, 13. 13. All right, you know what? You found a cable you're pretty sure will work. Okay. And you know what I forgot to get a sound effect for? Alarm. The alarm that starts going off right now. I eh, 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 I'm going Alright, let's get the cable and get out of here.
Can we ask, as I'm taking the cable off, can we ask Vril, is there any quicker way to get out to the garbage truck? Well, he tells you, did, does anybody remember what he was saying about the surveillance system they use in here? It's easy to hack. Yeah, it's not very good. In fact, I can... Open all the doors and shut off all the cameras. Yeah, that's what we should have him do. So you want to tell him... And to... I'll, at the same time, I'll go... It's, I'll... Is there a way from the hangar to outside? You'd have to go back the way that you came, basically. Oh, that's impossible. Well, now, wait a minute. No, you could take the elevator up. Um, and then go down the garbage chute? Uh, <laughs> hang on a second. I'm trying to remember how I wrote this. You take the elevator up, and then, yes, end up, uh, you just run down the hallway to the mechanical's room um, and down the garbage chute. Yeah, yeah let's do, do that. Okay. And at the same time, should I... Should and when you said go? that's, but that's impossible, Boxo comes on the radio and he says, don't worry, man, we got you back. Remember, when I'm involved, nothing is impossible. Impossible? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, I did. I have more. <laughs> I think we should do that. And then, because then maybe we could even drive the garbage truck out. Do you want him to pop all the doors and or turn off all the cameras? Yeah. Well, yeah. do we need the doors unlocked to get to the elevator? It'll be easier. Probably not. Then let's just do the cameras on. Just turn off the cameras? But also the doors will make them like confused on where if to go. If you want to set off, you could set off an explosion as a diversion. Okay. <laughs> Is there, like a, is there like a gate or like a fence around that he could have like a big explosion by? Yeah, let's come I back to that in a moment. Let's come back to that in a moment. First of all, so you want him to turn off all the cameras. Mm -hmm. You're going to go back out the double doors, back the corridor. You are still going to have to hack the doors to get through the, the okay. uh, security chamber. And then that will take you, oh, so you're going to have to go around the corner to the elevator, which, ooh, yeah, okay. Okay, so that's what you guys want to do. You're both in agreement about this. Sure. Okay. Now, the bus, um, when you tell him uh, that, that this is what you're going to do, he says, all right, I will cut the cameras on your, or when, when you say go. Um, in the bus... You guys are going to get back onto the... Wait a minute. You're going to get onto the road that leads to the trash, but you're going to take another turn that's going to begin to take you around to the front of the facility. And then, yes, um, off in the distance, you can see where the guard station is, and off in the distance over here, you can see where the trash truck was going to come out. Will that spot work for you? Here at this fence? Yeah, that's a good Maybe. spot. You just need to draw attention. Confuse people. Okay. So um, he pulls up the bus, opens up the door. What are you going to do? So there's the guards, right? The guards are way over there. The guards don't see you. So I'm going to come out um, a few feet away from the bus. I'm going to get a little bit of that C4. going to put it 
detonator on it. So I'm going to throw it over the fence. How high is the fence? Uh, ten, eight, ten feet, something like that. So actually... You could chuck it over it, yeah. I'll do that, then we're going to drive away a little bit, then set it off. How about if uh, you jump in and say, Okay, Boxo, hit it! And he floors it, and that bus takes off, and you're looking out the back window waiting for just the right moment, and... Take it from there. And you hit the button. And what does it sound like? Okay, and there is a big explosion. Now, while all of this has been going on, he... Did I take a mark? Um, for explosives, go ahead and take two marks. So, on the way out, Brill says, he'll, oh, that's right, you have to take the elevator. You can't make it back up the air shaft. Yes. Okay. So, he tells you to follow this corridor all the way around to the elevator. Um, let's say one of you asks him how you're looking for guards up ahead. And do you know what his answer will be? I don't know. Yeah, I cut off all the cameras. So you better pray for no guards. Do you want to have a, uh, a stun bead in your hand ready sure. to go? Alright. You run out the double doors, down the corridor of doors, you hit the security chamber, um, and that's right, you guys didn't have him pop all the doors, so you're going to hack, uh, have to hack your way into the security chamber, we both are. So, that's with the electronics. I Nine. succeeded. Yeah. Nice, okay, so the first door is open, you gotta get to the second door. Nope. Oh, we both failed. All right, so um, fail is having to do the three successes in 15 seconds. Wait for it, wait for it, go. Success. Fail. Fail. Success. Success. And I had success, too. We did that in nine seconds. Okay, and there is the secure. Wait a minute. Aha, there's the security office. Now, instead of turning right into that office, you guys are going to follow the corridor down, and you are going to hang a left. I wonder if there are any guards down that hallway. Roll it, and let's find out. Both of us? Sure. Eight. Six. Six. We'll call it a success that there were no guards. You get to the elevator. <coughs> What do you do when you walk up to an elevator? Push the button. You push the button and it says ding. Right? And the elevator opens. Roll it. Eight. Seven. We'll call it a success. There was nobody in the elevator. Um... Okay, you get in the elevator, you hit the ground floor button, and uh, what was that little ditty you was humming? Because, yeah, you guys are going to be <laughs> waiting for that door to open. Um, and uh, Vril does remind you, when it opens, it's going to open at the security desk. So, this is uh, about the tensest of moments. Both of you give me a roll. Eight. Four. Four. All right. 
The elevator opens. There is one guard. Okay, good. About 25 feet in front of you. He's at the security panel and he's trying to figure out why all the cameras just went. And he hears the elevator open and he starts to turn. Throw a, a beat at him. Throw it. Okay. And cocoon. There's the blue and purple flash. And he falls over and hits the ground. And the front doors. Wait. We weren't going out the right, front door. Right, right. You're going to turn right. And there is the mechanicals room. Mm -hmm. So, you will fling open the door of the mechanicals room. You still see no guards. You get in the mechanicals room. You close the door behind you. And you said you wanted to do what next? Go down the garbage chute. <laughs> get in there, you big furry oaf. I don't care what you smell. <laughs> So, is that what you do? Is like the Luke and Han dive into the garbage chute? No, I think more of feet first. Feet first? Okay. Like a slide. Alright. Same for you? Yeah. Okay, so you land in a dumpster full of garbage because it was not emptied uh, right next to the body of the janitor <laughs> who is um, snoring and there's like a banana peel over it. <laughs> Inside of the dumpster, <coughs> um, you get into the garbage truck. Um, who's driving? Oh, probably the one with the pilot skill. Yeah, I think we yeah. should leave the garbage man. Yeah, okay. leave the garbage man. And, and then, yeah, I'll drive. You want me to... No, not yet. So, let's see here. Um, yeah, let's find out if you have any competency for driving a land vehicle. Oh, by the way, um, somebody Eight. wanted to get the keys from the driver's pocket, I assume, so you yeah. did that. Eight. Eight! So, and that's what your piloting skill? Yeah. So, um, turns out you're pretty good at this truck thing. You go barreling down the road. Um, Vril tells you <coughs> to meet by the tree um, where you guys jumped into the garbage truck. So, you um, set a course... Um, and you eventually get to the place with the tree, and there is the bus waiting for you. I take it you guys will, um, egress, and go then... Take a shower. And, uh, go get in the bus. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, the bus, um, pulls away and drives into the night. Um, ba -ba -da -ba -da. So you're driving along these uh, back trails in the woods and such. Mm -hmm. um, Poxo is driving. Vril is still at this equipment. And we haven't really covered the equipment, but he's sitting there in front of a display with a couple of screens, and he's got uh, like a... It's a single headphone thing on... And um, he's monitoring the XSI radio traffic. Um, he's watching various things. Um, when suddenly he shouts to Vril, Oh, Kate! Elisandas emerging past me! Poxo slams on the brakes. And everyone goes flying forward. Vril manages to fall completely over 
and hits his head. And he lays there, dazed and moaning. Poxo gets out of the control seat, bounds over to Vril, and tries to rouse him to full consciousness, but it just isn't happening. Now Poxo is panicking like the first time you met him. He is speaking loudly and rapidly. He points to Hera and points to the equipment that Vril was at. And he... Um, well, oh, and meanwhile, he's got you by the arm, and he's trying to pull you to the control seat. Okay. Eventually, okay. won't somebody think to hand him the translator? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Once he has it, he says two phrases that you remember him shouting the first time you met him. Iliastas van! Nidivas uh, radici! Only this time you get to hear what it means. And the thing says, they're coming. We have to hurry. Alright, I'll get and drive the car, I guess. Yep. Unless, now, unless boss wants to drive. Now you're going to need to drive... Um, I'll just be like candy out the door with an explosive just in case. Um, you are going to need to drive and we will get to why in a moment. Now here's the problem. Okay. We have three minutes till the next bio break and it's 447. So I'm thinking we should leave it there for this Not session. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that a shame? But yes, the next session will be the action-packed big car chase scene. Okay, so we're calling it there. I want to thank every one of you for the good time that we all made together. Yeah. I really appreciate all of you at the table. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good.